someplace in the early 2000s, this thing of autoimmune disease began to rear its ugly head. And, uh, and now it's everywhere. What is up, BA family? And welcome to another BA Wednesday. I'm your host, Mason Bendigo. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode. Today we have clinician, entrepreneur, MS and PT, Fred Shin. I really look at Fred as an innovator in the PT space. As he was building out this chain of outpatient physical therapy facilities, he was also integrating them with full service health clubs. If you guys know anything about me, you know I love looking at health from a holistic point of view. And I believe Fred did exactly that and had a lot of success in building out these practices. After an incredible 20-year run of owning and operating these practices, he sold the business to a private equity roll-up and now uses all of the knowledge that he gained from that experience to focus on delivering business development services to practitioners and solving similar problems that he faced while running his practice. Another really cool topic that we touch on in the health and wellness space today and really in regenerative medicine that you're going to start seeing a lot more is orthobiologics. For some of you that have been listening to the show a little bit, know that I used to be a medical device sales rep in the orthopedic realm for sports medicine and platelet-rich plasma and orthobiologics was a thing that was beginning to be very popular, not only in the OR, but also in clinics. And so we talk a little bit about this regenerative medicine when it comes to stem cells and platelet-rich plasma and other types of orthobiologics that are coming onto the scene and what this means for the industry in terms of being able to lower the amount of surgery that we have, being able to optimize our recovery and healing, being able to optimize our longevity and quality of life. So y'all are in for a treat today. If you want to hear more from Fred, you can find him online at breathestrong.info. And if you haven't already followed us on Instagram, go check us out at breathing air podcast. Without further ado, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you Fred Shin. Mason, uh, thank you. I think this is uh, this is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm super excited. So, I want to start kind of with your background to getting into the healthcare industry in general. What led you to, you know, starting your practices and even getting into the space? You know, I guess, you know, the, the original start was as a young man and uh, was in athletics like you. And um, we all come to that point in athletics where we, somebody tells us in some way, shape or form, last game. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I had a knee injury, tore my ACL and uh, was uh, preparing for law school. My dad went to law school. My uncle's a lawyer. My grandfather's a lawyer. I just, I just thought that was the natural progression. Okay. And so I tore my ACL. And um, that back then, you know, ACLs didn't come back quite the way they do today. Right. And so that was a career ender for me. And I really wasn't ready to, to leave. 
So I started working with an athletic trainer at my college uh, just to stay close. Yep. And that's what started it. And then um, got pretty lucky pretty early. And after I got trained in athletic training and sports medicine, got a couple of invitations to work with a couple of U.S. national teams. Um, Education-wise, got a master's degree in physical therapy along the way. And, and that started it. And that led to a large hospital system running a sports medicine department for them. And then me realizing that, you know, big house, big box medicine just wasn't my spot. And uh, just decided to open up my own places. And there we go. That was the start. Was there anything specific where you came to that realization that maybe I want to step away from, like you said, big box medicine and want to kind of get more in the weeds? Was there a specific turn of the tide for you or did that just happen you know, over maybe, time? Maybe a couple of things, you know, at a, at a personal level, uh, I was in Asia with a team for a junior world cup and I got really sick. And when I came back to the United States, you know, I saw my physician in Indianapolis and they're like, Fred, we don't know what you had, but whatever you had, we don't have it here. And, um, and I guess we're sort of seeing that a lot right now. Right. But, um, uh, but he said, you know, but you've got this autoimmune thing that I want you to know about. And so that made me start to look deeper into just the normal pathway of healthcare. Hmm. And then the other part of it, and I, and I was with a great hospital system. It was a tremendous Catholic hospital system that really did a lot of good. Um, but I just had some frustration with um, the layers of activity that had to happen to make good things happen for people. Right. So I, I just thought I could be a little bit more nimble by myself. And I thought that there was an avenue to go into communities that were just sort of outside the, the ring of, a, of an urban area and provide value add services and bring some different services together that typically weren't under the same roof. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's important. I think a lot of us came to the realization with COVID over the last three years, how important, you know, these comorbidities, metabolic, metabolic health and, um, autoimmune disorders really are pretty rampant, right? And and where is the you know the underlying issue there? Where where you where you think and seeing that the biggest underlying issue for all of these comorbidities is coming from? I mean, is there a specific source, or you know wh where is that coming from? Yeah, I do. I th I think I think you're onto something with that question. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of step back a little bit. Yeah. to the 1990s. Um, when I started building my business, you know, we put physical therapy, fitness centers, Pilates studios, and spas all under the same roof. And so a benefit of doing that for me was to look at this little segment of America and these communities that I served. So every patient that came in was a member of the fitness center. And so when they became a member of the fitness center, we collected different information about them. And in the nineties, we began to really see from a 
muscle and joint and skeletal system thing. People changed a little bit because of the, what working on the internet did to their body as far as their neck position, their shoulder position, their hands, their head, their neck. So that was sort of interesting. But then the mm-hmm. other thing that we began to see as we collected information was the rise of this thing called metabolic syndrome, you know, pre-diabetes, pre-hypertensive, you know, those things that today we see are rampant in America. So we began to see that. And so um, what I noticed in my own little segment of all the clinics I had, if you had markers of metabolic syndrome, three, more than three of these five markers, three or more, well, it took us longer to get you better. Mm. It cost it more money to get you better. So we treated them differently, right? And um, so I think for me, that's what I began to see in the 90s and the early 2000s. And then someplace in the early 2000s, this thing of autoimmune disease began to rear its ugly head. And uh, and now it's everywhere. Yeah. It's just simply everywhere. And um, and it's hard to treat. It's, it's hard to treat. And uh, but we have to. We have to we, we we have to do some things better today than, than what we're doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's you know, you're you're seeing the deterioration of health throughout the last couple of decades. I mean, even if you go further back with, you know, men's testosterone levels and fertility rates in women, and you know, uh, you even see mental health things like anxiety, depression, you know, on the rise. So there's definitely an underlying uh, cause to this, but I want to go back to what you mentioned on combining your PT facilities with, you know, a full service health club. I have never heard of this idea, but when I first saw you doing that, I'm like, this is genius. All right. What, what, um, what prompted that idea? A couple things. One was personal. I wanted a place to train with all the stuff that I like to do. (laughs) And I wanted to take a few friends with me. Yeah. So that was one thing. And then the communities where I w- was, you know, those services weren't there. You know, just f- so from with my business hat on, you know, these were communities that they didn't have private health care. They were used to driving long distances. You know, when I say long distances, it's like, you know, more than 30 minutes. So I'm like, I need to be able to this is already risky. The fact that I'm going to have to compete with bigger players and bigger towns. I I just need to have another Avenue to create a revenue stream and to make my people better quicker than what they could get anywhere else. So it was that economy to just do it a little bit better, a little bit different than the person down the road. That was a big part of it. And with being an athletic trainer, you were an athlete. And, you know, usually the athletic training room is fun, right? You can make it fun if, if, if you have the right collection of athletic trainers to make it fun. And so so that need to create that vibe, that that fun community of, of an athletic training room, that's what sort of brought all those things together. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes so much sense when you explain it, right? The gap in the market, you know, it's creating a differentiator for you and the business, but then it's also that reinforcement of, once we get you better in PT, like continue to use the facility to, you know, do prehab, like 
or post rehab, right? You want to make sure you continue to stay healthy. So, I mean, it, it's, it's super smart. Um, yeah. If, yeah. I mean, it makes if, I, sense. If, I, if I could add this, you know, it was all about the experience and it yeah. is, it's about memorable moments today. And it's about the experience today. But you know, one of the phrases we had in the company was, you know, we, we need to build a circle of service around each customer. And uh, that, that helped us. Yeah. Hundred percent. When we when we were talking along the lines of the metabolic health conversation and and uh, you know comorbidities, how much does inflammation have to play in in those categories? Right, we hear this word a lot, inflammation, but it really is more than just the swelling of your knee. Like when after we had ACL, I actually had ACL as well. So. For those listening, how important is it for us to be cognizant of inflammation in our body and how do we combat that? Incredibly important. I used to have a phrase, you know, that, you know, you know, low grade, long term inflammation. It's just evil in what it does to our body. Yeah. And, um, you know, as a clinician, it's something we've seen for a long time. But to the greater body of knowledge and to the medical consumer, you know, we were short. We were sh- we were slow as a medical community to share that message. Mm. And you know, since about 2014, I've seen a shift in, in the medical community at large to uh, to share that message about inflammation. And um, you know, prior to that, you 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 didn't see what we in the medical community will call it inflammation theory. You didn't see a lot of people broadly following an inflammation theory perspective. Now today we're, we're getting there and um, we've got a ways to go. Yeah, absolutely. There has been a little turn of the tide. It feels, especially um, with what COVID bring, I think it brought a lot more people to, awaken to the fact that, Hey, this is, this health thing is something I should really be paying attention to. Right. Um, yeah. and then the, the avenues that we can, you know, consume this now with social media and, and the internet is very vast. So I think one thing that's said a lot and we hear this a lot, right. Is discussions around the gut and our gut health. I think it's kind of a trendy word right now we're seeing a lot of, but how important is the gut to our brain connection, to our muscle skeletal connection, like how important is that? And, and how do we make sure that we have good gut health? You know, that's extremely foundational to that axis that happens between your gut and your brain, your gut and your skin, your gut and your skeletal system. And these connections between the gut and the rest of our systems makes it incredible. I wish when I was a young guy seeing a lot of patients that I had this body of knowledge and these tools that, that are out there today. You know, I used to have these people I would call frequent flyers. They were patients that I would see every year. It was never the same injury or ailment, you know, but it was some inflammatory event this year, it might be their knee. Next year, it was going to be their foot. The year after that, their elbow. And these ailments didn't fit, didn't fit into a normal orthopedic model, right? 
we got them better, but they were always coming back. And what I've discovered since is that, you know, it's the fact that inflammatory disease is bred in your belly. It may manifest itself someplace else, but it starts in your gut. And if we get a good handle on, on, one, on somebody's gut health, we can get them better for a lifetime, not just for a few weeks until the next inflammatory event shows up. Right. Yeah, that's, it's, it's insane when you start digging into all the research on that and, you know, eating fermented foods and drinking enough water, et cetera. I mean, there's so many ways that we can be ahead of the curve there, but skin, I think skin, you mentioned skin, that's a big one, right? A lot of people having skin issues. Skin is crazy as far as, uh, you know, the, the things that we see. A quick story had a, yeah. a client that you know I'm I'm a physical medicine person you know and that's what we do and in the course of the care of this integrated environment where I am you know we did a thing called the GI map for this girl and uh, lots of physical ailments what I'm seeing her for but as we began to resolve her her gut issues. And she, you know, she wasn't even concerned about her skin. She's concerned about her skin, but that wasn't the biggest thing in her plate. But as her gut got better, guess what happened to her skin? Mm-hmm. Cystic acne got better. Yep. And uh, it, it's really cool to see a patient when they, they call you on the phone or they shoot you a text and they have these aha moments. And she said, you know what? You know what I just noticed? My skin's great. You know, so that gut thing is we just can't. We can't emphasize that enough. Right now, if, if if there were if there was one thing that I would encourage people to do, get it some sort of a test that gives them insight into their microbiome, into the bacteria that's in their belly. And when I say belly, you know, their small intestine, large intestine, their gut, and uh, that that is inc- incredibly informative. Yeah, it is. We're seeing a lot more, I think, personalized approaches to health in that in that aspect where, you know, you can get those tests, you can get blood work done. Um, there is no one size fits all approach on that uh, on that forefront, I don't think. So it's, it's cool to see the advancements in technology that are allowing us more insight into what is, you know, unique to us and what will work best for us. You know, um, you use that phrase metabolic test. And, you know, going back to something that you made a comment of about what COVID brought us. And I think one of the things that COVID brought us is an awareness that, uh, you know, maybe prior to COVID, most folks were just thinking about not getting sick. Now we're thinking about, let's get well, let's be better. Right. And when it comes to metabolic testing, you know, those are things that are available to everybody at the, at the local lab. You know, you don't have to wait for your primary caregiver to, to push that button. You know, you can be proactive and start that process yourself. But that, that leads to a lot of amazing discoveries for clients, patients, customers, guests, whatever. I would want to refer to that person, our friends. You know, that, that leads to a lot of discovery on, on how they get on that wellness path. Yeah, 
super important. In terms of medical advancement too, I know you and I had talked about this prior, but um, you know, uh, orthobiologics, right? And stem cells and PRP and these kinds of things that are making their way into um, more so the preventative medicine, right? I always, after watching so many surgeries, I'm always like, do everything you can prior to getting surgery, right? And as someone yeah. in the PT space, yeah. I think you would definitely agree with me on that. So tell me a little bit about what you've been doing in that uh, stem cell space currently. You know, I sold my my PT company like about eight or 10 years ago. Yep. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to stay engaged, but I just didn't want, I, you know, I was, I'd been there and done that as far as physical therapy. So that right. got me interested in, uh, in orthobiologics because it was interesting to me, the experiences I had seeing a patient after a stem cell procedure, because I would see them for several days after they had the procedure. And so I was like, and there's something here. I want to want to get into this a little bit. And, you know, that happened right about the same time that, you know, a lot of people give the government a hard time. But I'll tell you something the government did really well was a piece of legislation called the 21st Century Cures Act. So in about 2014-15, right when the literature was really getting hot into inflammation theory, um, this 21st Century Cures Act got passed in Congress. And basically, you know, this is the way I like to characterize it. It isn't quite that way, but it was sort of like the FDA saying, hey, we don't know how to do this. We're going to give you a couple of rules. You guys go do your thing and make some things happen. Then we're going to come back and talk and we're going to give you final rules about how to do this. And so as they did that, that allowed the industry to really go out and explore and, and find some really cool materials and processes and techniques that we are this year, you know, we're really beginning to see the fruits of all those labors come come to bear. And so, you know, most everybody's heard of stem cells. Not quite as many people have heard that acronym PRP, platelet-rich plasma. And platelet-rich plasma has taken on a couple other different directions too. And then, you know, then there's that other thing that that's out there, these extracellular vesicles is sort of the, the accepted term for those. And then casually, maybe some people might call those exosomes. But these things, Mason, are, uh, this is space age, space age medicine today. Yes, absolutely. Um, I want to go a little bit deeper in this because it's so intriguing to me. I think when stem cells first started coming onto the scene, it was, you know, getting these incredible results. Uh, but it was something that wasn't technically administered legally, at least in the United States, right? A lot of people were going overseas and getting stem cell operations, et cetera. So do you see that changing soon? Has it started changing? I mean, I don't know to where this is going to be something that's accessible to people who maybe don't want to get a surgery or have had, you know, arthritis or other ailments in the physical therapy realm. Is this going to be something that's starting to be administered more to the public? Oh yeah, for sure. And, and we're seeing that. And, and, you know, part of the, the stem cell business, you know, there was a period of time where we knew stem cells could do something, but we really didn't know how they did it. Mm -hmm. Now we understand the how a lot better. 
So, you know, that's, that's a big advancement. Yeah. And once we know how, then we can begin to really use these things in different areas. And so, so my observations are that um, a lot of things that have evolved from that piece of legislation, the 21st Century Cures Act, is, is bringing to bear stem cell preparations. Um, and the question is, where do you get them from? Right. That's always a debate. Yep. And then how do you use them? And so those are the things that are getting cleared up right now. And then you've got these other players in this medicine space that are looking at stem cells and stem cell as a modality, it's sort of old. So how do we, how do we look at it in a new space and how do we look at these extracellular vesicles or the exosomes and some of these sorts of products that really just, 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 they just beat inflammation all to death. You know, that's what we want to do is right. Is, is marginalized inflammation. Yeah. It's um, it's exciting, you know, with, with the technology and the advancements in medicine, I think it's, it's going to continue to just grow and us see pretty incredible results and hopefully help a lot, a lot of people. Right. Yeah. No um, question about that. I want to kind of go back to your time in PT because as I'm, you know, looking at what you do and kind of the philosophy that you live by, I keep seeing the word mindset and how important that is to um, the total healing that needed to happen, right? So why? Why does mindset and w- need to be a part of that process and where does it come in? How can it help us? Yeah, I'll keep it it's physical therapy. Let me keep it to the physical part, yeah. you know, to get to the mind part. There's this thing called your vagus nerve and uh, vagus nerve controls a lot of stuff in our chest, in our abdomen, in our belly, in our gut. And the vagus nerve is, again, physical medicine person here. Vagus nerve can get impacted by a lot of things that happen in our jaw, our head, our neck. So one of the things that happens with people in the lives that we leave right now is we remain relatively excited, right? Call that a sympathetic state. But we need the vagus nerve to sort of tap into sort of push in the clutch so that we get out of that excited phase into a calmer phase, you know, and and in essence, that's where it's sort of that mindset comes in. But, you know, when, if we don't, if we don't tap into the mindset of a patient, if we allow their respiratory system to, to run wild, their cardiovascular system to run wild, again, I'm a physical medicine person, you know, we're not, we're not able to to touch them and heal them the way that we need to be. But once we begin to get into mindset and use little simple physical techniques by accessing the vagus nerve, then we can begin to get into some of those sort of social and emotional components of what mindset might be. And for some that might be faith and for others, it might be something else. You know, but uh, but that's 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 an avenue of healing that for all too long we were afraid to touch, and we need to embrace that. Absolutely, I mean that's where the rest and recovery happens, right? I, so many of us, myself included, stay in that sympathetic state too much. So 
where you, you mentioned the vagus nerve and stimulating it, but what are some techniques to stimulate the vagus nerve? Oh, lots of different ways. You know, um, you know, breathing is one, you know, using a little thing that we refer to as the nine step breath, which has been around for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. So that's one way to stimulate it. Um, you know, in yoga, you know, yoga's hot. People are into yoga. Yeah. And yoga has been a pathway for people to get into meditation. And that's been a pathway to get into mindset. And for instance, some people that get into yoga and they get into the meditation, they'll use the ohm, you know. And well, why does that work? It stimulates the auditory branch of the vagus nerve which settles our, our system down, you know, and I, you know, when I talk to people, I, I go back to church camp as a young boy and, you know, um, people used to sing Kumbaya or amen. Now, when you think about that tone, it is the own. What are we doing when we get, you know, you know, close to our higher power, to our God, you know, the physical component of that Vegas nerve settle our souls down mm. peace yeah that's a, that's a yeah. big part of it you mentioned and the breath under- yeah go yeah. ahead no i just say peace and understanding yeah absolutely so important you mentioned that you mentioned the breath right and yeah you also are associated and have founded breathe strong yeah so what is that and why did you decide to launch it I started it because of my own autoimmune disease that impacted my lungs in combination with what I was seeing with patients in the nineties, as people were beginning to their, their, their posture change and they became forward flexed or kyphotic bent forward. And that restricted, you know, lung capacity. Mm. So that's what started. It was, you know, at first, you know, very, very self-centered. I like, Oh, I, I got some problems I need to take care of. And it looks like life is going to put me in a position where my posture is going to impede lung function. So that's what started it. But then I began to have those observations that my fitness center assessment allowed me to see in my patients, you know, and, um, but, you know, it's very popular today to understand that and we see all sorts of practitioners out there now talking about breath. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that uh, it's just vital. And when we look at what breath can do, how we can use breath to, to affect our vagus nerve, well, that's one thing. And now we have these other components of breathing well and breathing strong that are just revealing really age-old benefits. You know, nitric oxide. If we breathe through our nose, we breathe better than if we breathe through our mouth. The, the air that we breathe through our mouth Many, many, many in our society breathe through our mouth. That air doesn't get warmed. It enters the lungs turbulent and it doesn't allow us to, to make nitric oxide up in our sinus cavities. And um, nitric oxide is, is one of those components today that in the last few years we've realized, man, if we can make some nitric oxide on our own, just by breathing through our nose, we really are a, a healthier individual. And we are well, we are, we are much better if, huh. for it, much better. Yeah. You know, so that, that, that's where the thing about, about Breathe Strong and is, uh, 
you know, being in the, as a frontline physical medicine person through the 90s, in the early 2000s, when our bodies were beginning to change, our bending forward and changing the way we breathe, you know, just bending forward in seated postures, it makes it harder to breathe through our nose. And that's why we've adopted all these mouth breathing, paradoxical breathing yep. uh, patterns. And that with the rise of metabolic syndrome and then autoimmune, autoimmune disease, if, if there's an existential threat to us in America, those three things. You know, wow. Yeah. You know, I, and I, I'm going to borrow a phrase, you know, you know, we are our own climate. And the, the climate change that I think we need to worry about are those climates that we can, that we build within ourselves. So taking care of our gut, breathing well, uh, staying away from metabolic disease and autoimmune disease. That, that's the climate that I'm concerned about. Yeah. It's powerful. Very, very, very true too. And there are things that we can control, right? I mean, breath is, it's innate to us, but whenever we you know, return to it and actually focus on it, so many different ways that it helps. Yeah. And it's free. Exactly. It's free. You know, we just have to invest a little bit of time and technique and, uh, and wow. Yeah. I had someone put it to me this, uh, this way, you know, we talk about how important it is, you know, our, our water intake, our diet, our exercise, our sleep. And then you talk about breath. It's like, you can go without those things for a while. You go without breathing for how long you're done. <laughs> it's like, this is time, the number one, most vital thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's vital. Water. I, I struggle with water, Mason. I, I have to work to drink water. And, uh, but then that other thing, sleep. If we compare sleep, you know, with good water intake and breath control, man, we can really become very well. And, you know, you mentioned mindset. You know, I put mindset and meditation and prayer. I think, you know, you add meditation and prayer, you equal mindset. Yeah. So I think if we take sleep, mindset meditation plus prayer and then if the the other third thing that i like to think about is retreat stepping away Mm. pushing the clutch and getting away you know those those and i I didn't do that really very well when i was running my company and when i was a practitioner you know i I lived a cortisol lifestyle i had my foot on the accelerator the whole time (laughs) cortisol um you know i if Freddie had had known then what he knows now, I would have I would have been a much ver- better version of myself back in the day. You know, so I, you know, pairing up sleep with mindset and that ability, you know, to step away and take those regular, you know, and I think I think COVID's given us that. Yeah, I, I work with some people at a big company, and you know they don't go to work Mondays and Fridays now. They work, but they work from home. And we're seeing the advantage of stepping away. Yeah. So it if, is, if, if we've got a rainbow, if we've got a rainbow sitting over COVID, these are some of them. So let's, we need to pack these up and take them with us. Yes. A hundred percent. I agree. I think it, it put a lot of things into perspective, right? Um, 
you know, how important family is like, wow, I don't, I actually really don't spend as much time as I'd like. And wow, I I really do work too many hours or whatever that may be. People's health started, you know, turning around because they could make sure that they built a workout in or a walk-in or cook their own food instead of eating out. Like these things were important, right? Yep. Yep. You mentioned eating out and, you know, sort of, we started this part of the conversation talking about gut and uh, man, man, what, what are we discovering now about our processed foods and how that tears up our gut and that leads to inflammation and that can change our skin and that can change our emotional health. And that changes our skeletal health. Yeah. Wow. That's why. Yeah. Food is medicine, right? I know that's been a huge plus side plus for me. Um, usually always being on the run versus now being, having a little bit more flexibility to cook my own meals. I mean, it's, it's been night and day difference for me. That's, that's so good. You know, a quick story about food and medicine. My daughter's in medical school mm -hmm. and um, she's really a cool girl. And when she was interviewing to medical schools, um, she had an interview by this old, old doctor in a, in a starched white coat. And uh, she sat down and she says, well, tell me, what are you going to do different? And, and Hannah, you know, told the guy, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cure people with food. And he challenged her on that, you know, and he took her to task. And, but the, I share that message because there's a growing legion of doctors that are understanding that that food is medicine. Mm. That that's a good thing for all of us. That's that's great to hear, right? Because a lot of times conventional medicine goes for the band-aid. And um, I think it's so important that people like your daughter and that have that mindset and outlook on health, um, you know, start integrating themselves into that space because you know, it's so important and it's foundational, right? It's, it's the root cause for a lot of these issues that we're seeing stress, like you said, being in that sympathetic state too much and, you know, uh, eating poorly and, and not you know, taking care of yourself, not sleeping. Like those things are what starts a lot of these problems that we see. And then when we're putting pharmaceutical medicine on top of it, oftentimes, you know, it's creating more problems underneath, right. And never getting to the root. So, Kudos to her. I love hearing things like that. <laughs> yeah, I thank you. I, you know, I think I like to use this analogy a lot. You know, when you look at an equation, you know, make it a math equation. This plus this equals that. You know, we got so good at technology and conventional medicine that we just went right to the right side of the equation, right? We, we yeah. didn't really look at this plus this equals that. Well, now the beautiful thing about healthcare, about functional medicine or integrative medicine or life science medicine, lifestyle medicine, whatever we want to call that, you know, this collection of practitioners are looking at everything on the left side of the equation. And, 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 and how do we make things better on the left side of the equation and avoid all those bad things that happen on the, on the you know, on the, on the other side of the equal side? Right. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Everything has a cause and effect, right? And so it has to be weighed. Yep. 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 I want yep. to um, 
you know, dive into a little bit more on your entrepreneurial side, because, you know, looking at what you've done throughout your span of your career is, is very impressive. We've talked a little bit about it, but you even dove into the commercial real estate space a little bit. So what prompted you, I mean, owning the businesses and the PT uh, sites, I'm sure you got to dabble a little bit, but what's your um, you know, involvement in that space now? And kind of how did you get into that? Um, wow. Because I made a mistake. I made a mistake <laughs> as a young man. Yeah, I, I learned from my error. And uh, when I got into to, to business, you know, um, at least in the physical therapy space, the physical medicine space, there was a belief that, you know, owning your building and the real estate that you worked in um, wasn't that big of an advantage. It really is. And um, as far as if you're going to maintain a business throughout your lifetime and then try to pass that healthcare entity onto the next generation of your family. So, you know, I, I, I made a mistake in the fact that, you know, I just leased space, which was fine. I was in good places and, right. and, 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 and we did good things, but I, I could have done better for my family had I done that. But then the, the other realization along with that is, you know, there's, you know, look at where we are in the real estate bubble that we are right now, the good part of the bubble. Right. We're not making any more land, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, so, you know, after I sold my business myself and a couple other people, <clears throat> we, we were foundational in, in our area and we built a medical community and we just saw how the community was changing and how it was evolving, where it was moving. And so we just, you know, pooled resources to, tr- to, to try to provide a medical campus and where there was an area of growth to sort of continue what we had done on a smaller scale as younger clinicians. So, right. so yeah, the, that, uh, that commercial real estate space is not something that uh, I, I need to know more. I'd like it. I wish I'd started it as a younger guy. Yeah, absolutely. That's one thing that I really want to get into. I have a buddy of mine who he's an agent. He's actually a real estate agent, but I want to get into the investment side of commercial properties and, you know, not just residential properties as great as those can be the bigger, um, you know, commercial properties are, are very intriguing to me. Yeah, I, I can see that. And, you know, as a, as a, as a healthcare practitioner, practitioner, I always have to make sure what hat am I wearing when I'm doing what I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And if 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 what we're doing is building a legacy um, of wealth for our family, you know, commercial real estate really does make a makes good sense. Makes Absolutely. makes good sense, you know, for your family. Yeah. You're now, you know, almost advising, not almost, you are advising and consulting with other practices on, you know, best practices and ways that you had success with that comes scale, right? A lot of times people are wanting to scale their business and the PT specific space aside, what are some ways that people can scale their business or what are some ways that people miss when trying to scale their business? Wow. 
we're going to be here for another three or four hours, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but let me see if I can tackle this a little bit okay. with the Cliff Notes version. When, when you know, it, th- there are several things here as far as scalability in a healthcare organization. Um, number one, clinically, you just can't be good. You have got to be stellar. You've got to be great. That's that's number one. That's number one. Number two, you have to put processes and people around you that make you better. Making somebody better is hard enough. And if you're continually putting out fires because you've got bad processes or don't have the right people on the bus, can't be done. Right. So clinically, you got to be good. You have to have processes and people around you that make you better. And then number three is um, you have to you have to deliver that service in such a way. Hey, it's what people want. They've got to be better for having been served by you. And then you have to do it in such a way that you can do that time and time again, right? Without adding cost to it. So, you know, I don't want to get into cost and value, but it's got to be a valuable service that, uh, so, so I think those are the first three things, but then, you know, in terms of scalability, you know, there are drivers in the marketplace right now that we just have to realize as healthcare practitioners, Subscription-based services are important to people. Being able to budget and allocate money on a month-to-month basis for an ongoing healthcare plan, that makes sense. You know, being, you know, in, in my business, in physical therapy, you know, this is, this is, I'm going to give, just walk you through something. Many of the people that are seeking physical therapy right now have a large deductible. You know, mm-hmm. a high-end deductible. That's the reality of life. Most, many of the people that are seeking physical therapy services really don't have insurance for physical therapy because their deductible is so high. And so if you're that practitioner and you want to become scalable, it, it's, it's okay to set up policies, processes, procedures, and techniques that are cash-based. You have to. Yeah. And then, you know, you have to educate the, the, the healthcare consumer because it's less today, but there used to be a mindset, well, I've got insurance, everything is taken care of. We know now that that's not the case. Right. You know, so, so scalability, that's, that's vital for today's healthcare consumer or healthcare practitioner. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I'll tell you something I learned, Mason, is going from one office to two offices, that was hard. But then when you go from two to three, three to four, four to five, 10 to 20, it's not as hard. Yeah. It's that first yeah. step, always. <laughs> yeah. Jump in the water. It's fine. Go do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, let me say this about scalability and physical therapy or physical medicine. I... I, I have a sincere belief that, you know, physical therapy, we're the, we're the person that spends an hour with somebody two, three times a week. 
know, it's a relationship business. And because it's a relationship business, I think the physical therapist is perfectly poised to share this wellness message. And, uh, and I, I also think as in the physical therapy, athletic training space, if we don't share that medicine, you know, we're not, not doing that person in front of us, front of us justice. If we, if we, if we don't assume that role, I think we have to. Absolutely. There's, um, there's a question that I love to ask in, in, in the monetary sense and what you've accomplished, you've definitely had success, right? So, but in, in another sense, everybody has a different look at what success is. So what is your definition of success? <laughs> Continued progress towards an idealistic goal. Amazing. He got it. He's got it on top. <laughs> you know, I heard that in May of 1982, when the former president of Clemson gave the uh, address to my graduating class at Southeast Missouri State University. And uh, it's always been there for me. And uh, yeah, that, that's it. I'm writing that one down and y'all should too, because I love it. <laughs> Continued progress toward an idealistic goal. It's amazing. Well, Fred, is if you could leave our listeners with you know one mindset tip or one thing to take with them from today or just in general, what would you what would you want to leave them with? Believe it's going to happen. Believe it's going to happen. You know, one of the things that gets in our way is that thought that it's not going to happen. Well, you know what? You get to choose for the most part if it is or it isn't. So let's just, let's just start off with, man, we're going to do this thing. I think that's, that's where I'm going to start. Amazing. I love it. I love it. That's where it all starts. You got to believe. got to yeah, believe. You do. You do. Well, Fred, thank you so much for joining the show. Um, where can everybody find you? You have socials. Like, where can people reach out to you if they hear this? They want to hear more, learn more. You know, um, little fledgling website um, called breathestrong.info. Uh, and, um, you know, that's probably a good place to go, you know, find some information about breathing strong about consulting services in the physical medicine space, about mindset, about metabolic testing. Perfect. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining. Go check out Fred uh, if you're interested to hear more on his front. And Fred, thank you so much for joining. This has been amazing. I know a lot of people are going to find value in this. Uh, it's been a joy, Mason. Thank you. And uh, you know, thank you for the message that you're putting out there because repeatedly, you're doing it, brother. Yes, sir. Guys, thank you so much for joining in on another week of the Breathe and Air podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode or you got something from Fred, send it to somebody who you think will benefit as well. That's the cost of admission today. You guys know the rules. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode and have a great rest of your week.